Listen closely to a couple of these verses here. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war. We're in a war. And my fingers for battle. My loving kindness and my fortress. My high tower and my deliverer. My shield and the one in whom I take refuge. That's who God is to all of us. You may not be using Him that way, but that's who He is. He's the very present help in the time of trouble. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Amen. Give Him praise. We'll just keep Children's Church with me today. They're getting ready to have a big time. Looks like starting tonight. Amen. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Steve. Steve's going to have a good time. Whether anybody else does or not. Right, Steve? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to show you a few things. I want to touch on something that I really got some fresher revelation on. And I, I want to share some of it with you this morning. Um, let's go. Let me... Uh, See where we want to go first. Let's go to, uh, well, let me share something before we go there. You can go ahead and slap it up there. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. I'll put that on the screen. Not this, not last night, but last, the week before Sunday, I just barely talked about this a little bit here. Uh, I was in a battle, and I got up. And been, you know, the, the warfare is growing as we approach the end of time. But, uh, and I believe that's because the enemy has fewer people to focus on. You know, the Bible talks about a great falling away, and we're in that. But we're also having pockets of revival. And that's good news. But uh, the devil has fewer people to focus on because people are not, just not loving God like they used to. And we knew that was coming in the last days. So the warfare's picked up. And uh, so I'm up, I can't even walk. I've got gout in my knee. I couldn't even walk Saturday night. I, I hobbled my way into the chair about, I don't know, midnight. and started wrestling with God. And uh, <clears throat> he won. <laughs> Not that there was any question about that. But I started wrestling with God. And you, I don't know if anybody deals with the gout in here besides me. But uh, I've, been, I've dealt with it for some years. And um, usually that stuff takes days to go away. So I'm reading in uh, Luke chapter 12, and I read on through, and I go into Luke chapter, uh, chapter 13, and that's what I want to talk to you about. I'll give you some fresh revelation on that this morning. So let's go to uh, look at this verse. It said, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, Paul's talking here about Satan, who, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. So the God of this age, so the devil has some position in our culture and in this world. He's been given some level of authority, although it's not nothing like God's, obviously. He's under God's authority. But he has some entrance into the culture and into our lives, especially if we open the door for him. 
And sometimes God chooses us out like He did Job and lets us go through some suffering because it's for His glory. And He's training us. He allows certain things to go on in our lives. But let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to share, uh, excuse me, chapter 5. I want to share a couple of things to you. Stuff you've already heard and know. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, he tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says, humble yourself to God in James, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, if you deal with the devil constantly, you just identified something, didn't you? Right there with that one verse. Because the devil likes to get away from us at times, especially if we're fully devoted and focused on God's will in our lives. So I say this from time to time, how about a life where the devil's trying to get away from you instead of you trying to get away from him all the time? That's possible. But it starts with submission, right? Submit to God. What's that mean? Exactly what it says. Submit to God with everything, with your personal life, with your family, with your business, with your relationships, with your checkbook, everything. Submit everything to God. Don't give the devil any chance to buffet you no more than he has already. So in this verse, he says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. That's another thing we need is patience, right? Casting all your care upon him and everybody else on Facebook. Sorry, I had to throw that in. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Whew, let that sink down just for a minute. The one who can do anything cares for you. The one who can save you. The one who can repair your family. The one who can heal your body. The one who can set your mind straight. The one who has eternal life waiting on us. He cares for us. You know what that means? That means it don't matter who else cares as long as he cares. And so he cares for you. Now watch what else it says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, here this guy is again, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now he wants to destroy our lives, right? That's familiar to all of us. But lions are territorial. And so a lot of times they roar to let you know you're in their territory. And there's a battle going to ensue if you don't leave their territory. Well, I'm going to tell you something. We can't leave his turf. This is God of this world. So we need something inside of us that's bigger, that's stronger. That's more capable. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And somebody the enemy backs down from. And that's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We have that. So we are in the the devil's territory, so to speak. You don't want to go to the green parrot unless God sends you. Everybody remembers the green parrot, right? But we are in his territory. So he's going to do everything he can to cause us to be afraid, to back away, to become complacent, to be lazy, to back down. And he does attack at times. 
Here's what he does. He says, here again, Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood in the world. That's what he's after. But may the God of grace, uh, who called us to His eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect and establish and strengthen you and settle you. Now the Bible says those that have suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin. So everything is a process. The other thing about this guy, the Satan, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what he does. Now let's contrast that with James. Let me go over to James real quick. James, I'm going to show you this verse on the screen, 1 and 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from God. The devil does what? He wants to kill Steal and destroy. Devour is the other word that Peter used here. That's from the dark side. God is, he is giving us good gifts and perfect gifts. Not most of them, all of them. Every good gift and every perfect. Now see the contrast. God gets blamed for some stuff that he shouldn't get blamed for. And the devil gets credit for some things he shouldn't get credit for. But God... Every good and every perfect gift is from Him, the Father of lights. There is no darkness in Him. There's no shadow in Him, right? He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the Ancient of Days. He's always been around. Every good thing that comes into our lives is from the Father. The devil comes to do the dark side, right? So one of my closest friends told me this week, his cousin had been in the hospital for 45 days. He was about gone. He'd had cancer in two or three places. The doctors came in just this Friday and said, We don't know what's happened. But we can't even find any evidence that you've ever even had cancer. And they'd been working on him and working on him and working on him and working on him. And then one day he got a knock at his door. And it was the great physician who walked in. So your God, who can do anything and only do good, cares for you. Think about that a minute. You've got the greatest, you and I have the greatest resource in the universe. Not even close. It's not even close. Nothing can compare to God. Now let me take you back to Ephesians. Let me take you to 2 Timothy first. 2 Timothy, we, I used a little bit of these passages last week. just want to skim through a couple of things before we move on. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It's talking to us. I read that psalm that talked about how He teaches our hands to war and our fingers to do battle. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. So we're called soldiers of who? Jesus Christ. So God's got an army. God has an army. And God fights. Did you know that? He does fight. What if God would have laid down and rolled over when Satan rose up? He's a fighter. God fights for righteousness. 
He stands for righteousness. Now I'm going to prove that to you again here in just a minute. He says, You, will, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Tell your neighbor you're a soldier. Go ahead and tell him that. You and I are in a soldier. What do soldiers do? They go to war. They fight battles. That's what we're called to do. God fights battles. You're on the losing end every time. He's, a, he's a, always, he's lost no battles. What do they call that with a boxer? 150 wins and all of them by knockout. God, all of his are knockouts. And no defeats. And he really knocked Satan out on the cross. Now our problem is, we still deal with him. And sometimes we forget which side's doing what. And sometimes we get in the heat of the battle and we think the devil's stronger than God. We wouldn't say that. But we feel like we're going under in all the battles that we face, right? Sometimes we all have that. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. We have to battle through those things because guess what? You're in a battle. Tell your neighbor, say we're in a war. Go ahead and tell them that. Now don't forget that. If you forget that, that's when, that's when we get caught up. And that's what he said here. He said, we get entangled in the things of the world when we take time off from the battle. And Jesus cautioned us, and I read that last week. I'm not going to go back to it in Luke 21. He said, don't be caught up in the cares of this life lest that day take you over unaware. When he's returning. So they're trying to keep us focused on the battle. I feel like in my moment here, at this moment, that I'm, I am doing more preparation for myself and for the people that God has given me responsibility to get you ready for war. We are in a war, but it's going to get more intense. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, guess what he tells us to do starting in verse 10. We read this last week. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Whose power? The Lord's. What, what, uh, what the, the Lord tells the rubber boy, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Watch when he talks about the man who's the most effective is not the one that gets the smartest or the one that's the most clever or, who's, or the one that does the most physical activity in the kingdom of God. The man that's the most powerful in use of God is the one that's learned how to open his vessel up and let the Holy Spirit come out. That's the difference maker. The world don't need to see another one of you and me. I hate to burst your bubble. They're in trouble out there. They need to see Jesus bad. They need to see the Holy Spirit coming out of us. And then he says, he gives, look what he does. If you're not a soldier, if you weren't called to an army, if you weren't called to battle, you wouldn't be getting this instruction. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you have an adversary, he's the God of this world, right? He's killing, he wants to kill, to steal, and destroy, and devour you. That's, that's who our adversary is. His name's Hasatan, we call him Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, whatever. Scoundrel, no good for nothing, whatever. That's who our adversary is. He's out to do nothing good in our lives. He wants to destroy us, but God wants to do everything good in our lives. That's why Jesus is the name. Whereby there is no other name that we can be sozoed or soterion, that we can have all the benefits of being His follower. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now this is why this is in the spirit realm, but this leans itself to governmental affairs. This is why there's so much corruption in government around the world. Because the devil knows if he can focus on that group, 
no matter whose government it is, Russia, America, whoever, if he can focus on that, he can cause all kinds of havoc for the people. And that's what he does. He fo- and this, these passage, this passage lends itself to governmental things. So when you study this, there are spiritual wickedness in high places and they try to find the most bang for the buck, right? So if they can go into a government and outlaw Christianity, which has been done many times over the centuries, if they can go into that and say you can be arrested or even killed for believing in Christ, and that still goes on in certain parts of the country, then you see how the enemy can put oppression on the people from a smaller circle of people who have the authority and the power. And that's why this passage lends itself to that. It says, against spiritual weakness, therefore take up the whole armor, not just some of it, right? There's plenty of pieces that you can study on your own here, and we talked about last week, but take up the whole armor that you may be able to withstand the, in the evil day. And that's interesting, that there's going to be days. There's going to be days in your life and in my life where the enemy focuses on you. He's going to come and focus on you. Now, the devil's not omnipresent, so his angels aren't either. There's demons, so they, they can't be everywhere all the time like God. But you're going to get some moments where the enemy's going to focus more on you with his minions or whatever. And so you're going to have some days where you're going to be ready. You can't take any days off. Do you know there's a, there's a psalm that says, Those who stand in the house of the Lord by night. That, the, the menorah had to stay lit. The oil had to stay replenished. So they had shift work in the, in, the, in the temple. And so these priests, they had another priest who walked around and kept them from falling asleep. They would gouge them. Wake up, wake up. What did Jesus say when he was with his boys? He said, stay awake here. There's a battle going on, right? right? Could you not tarry with me for one hour, he asked them. Right? Because there was a battle going on and they were trying to fall asleep on him. And so there's a battle going on and you and I have to stay vigilant. We have to stay diligent. We have to stay aware. And that's what we've been seeing in all these passages. So you need the whole armor, not parts of it. Stand therefore having, your, uh, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which we know is, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And then he says, Be watchful to this end with perseverance, hupomene, consistency, and supplication for all saints. So he's warning us. Do you hear that last line? If you take a a day off from the battle, you're hurting other people. I woke up this morning. I was I was a little bit frustrated with our nation when I I don't know why I woke up. When I woke up, I was mad at America (laughs) because of all the stupid things we've done against God. But then I was thinking about how we're all on a team, right? I said, Lord, a lot of these people out there. They don't play right. But I understand that we're all on a team. So you and I should pray for our country. We should pray for our leaders. We should pray for other people. Because we're all in this same spot. And unless God calls you to uh, Russia, then you're going to be stuck here. Or wherever else. So we got to pray. That's what's going on here. There's a battle going on, and most of our people don't know it. 
They think the battle's at the Supreme Court. They think the battle's in politics. That's not where the devil uses all that. I understand that. But that's not where the battle's at. The battle's in the warfare. We don't need more people marching up and down the street. We need people on their knees seeking the Holy Spirit and talking to God. That's what we, you and I are called to do. We're called to, pre, we're called to pray. All of us are called to pray. Now, now that we've went through all that where we started last week, let's go to Luke chapter 13. Now, this is what's happening to me. I'm in this recliner. Can't hardly even roll over because my knee is just intense. I was listening to a doctor talk about gout, and he said the women he know, who come to his office and have gout, the only, uh, that's, they say gout's the only thing worse than a kidney stone or giving childbirth. I mean, it's miserable. It feels like glass just, just moving around in your joint. I, was, I got home, and it usually gets worse at night, so I'd hobbled around a little bit that day at my son's house, and then I got home, and it just set in. I couldn't hardly move. And I was so frustrated, you know, dealing with it. And so usually it takes, after you, it really gets an onset, it'll take seven to ten days for it. it you hobble or you work through it or whatever, but it takes about seven to ten days to clear it up. So I'm sitting there reading, and I'm frustrated. I'm talking to God and fussing a little bit at the Lord, and uh, He's big enough to take it. And I, I'm real with God. I am. I'm His son. I want my sons to be real with me. I'm real with God. I just go to Him and tell Him how I'm feeling. I'm just real. He, he knows anyway. <laughs> he knows what you're thinking. <laughs> so I start, I'm praying, but I'm really complaining more than I'm praying. Did anybody ever be that way? Yeah. So then I'm reading in Luke chapter 12 because I felt like the Holy Spirit was showing me some things in there. And I just kept reading in chapter 13. And when I started reading in chapter 13, I got to this part. Let's look at verse 10. Speaking of Jesus. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. That's how long I've had mine. I started getting gout 18 years ago. It's like kudzu. I'm going to bring kudzu into it in just a minute. Anybody know what kudzu is? I think that might be the only thing the devil created. I'm just teasing. Kudzu is, you'll see in just a minute. It says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So she's got an infirmity. She's been this way for 18 years. Jesus don't cast a demon out of her. He did some people. He don't say, why are you in this mess? He didn't say, it's your fault you're in this mess. He just set her free, healed her. Well, I'm starting to feel it. I'm feeling the gap, but now I'm starting to feel God's Word sitting in that chair. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight. Verse 6, 14 says, But the ruler of the synagogue answered within him. He always got the religious folks, right? 
answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And of course, you know, he cleared that up. He said, we weren't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for us. I'm not going to get into all that. He said to the crowd, there are, see what people do? The religious people just find parts of Scripture they like. That's why I'm an expository preacher and teacher mostly because everything in here is important, including the genealogy, as I said a couple of weeks ago. And then he, then uh, it says, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Yeah, God's, His doors are closed on Sunday. On Sabbath, on Sabbath. Then the Lord answered to him and said, Hypocrite! Woo! When Jesus calls you a hypocrite, you're a hypocrite. Most of the time when we do it, it's because we got a different opinion. But when Jesus calls you a hypocrite, you're a hypocrite. And he didn't care to blurt it out, did he? Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on Sabbath loose his ox and his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought, not men, so ought not this woman, being the daughter of Abraham, now look at the next words, whom Satan has bound. Wow. This woman had a crooked back and it was Satan's fault. Come on now. I'm going to talk to you. You better buckle your seatbelts. Getting ready to hit some turbulence. <laughs> he said, what about this daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound? Think of it. Now, you could run with that and say, well, he's just talking about her whole life. No, 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 no. He, he pinpoints it. For 18 years, he blamed this woman's crooked back not on her, not on science, but on Satan. Are you with me now? Now this is going to help you and I be able to battle. Because we're going to need to know how to battle as we approach these end of time. Then it says, So ought not this woman whose daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound, think of it for eight... He, look how Jesus addresses that. I mean, he's looking at the crowd, just healed this woman, blames it on Satan, and he says, think of it. How long? Basically he's saying, can you believe this? Satan's had her bound for 18 years. He called her a daughter of Abraham. She wasn't a bad woman. He didn't blame it on her. Be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said all these things, his adversaries were put to shame because the proof's in the pudding, right? And the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So let me show you some kudzu. If you've never seen kudzu, you're getting ready to see it here. Got some pictures here. Show us another one. You see those vines? Everybody know what kudzu is? Okay. You see, uh, see how it takes over? I'm going to talk to you from a mountain boy here in just a minute. Now hold it right there. Look at that. Kudzu consumes everything in its path. You can cut it, and guess what? It'll come back. You can get ghosts to eat it. And if you don't keep the goats on the hill year after year, it'll come back. The only, only, now, I'm talking from a mountain boy. I'm not talking about from some nucle, nuclear warhead. 
But the only thing that will get that out of there is these hogs that we had back in the mountains. I see Colin. He's from coal miner too, mountain. They'll root the root out. Anybody feeling where I'm going? If you don't get that root out, you won't be able to go to school tomorrow. <laughs> you see that? What the world? And if that's where I'm from, there's probably 14 rattlesnakes in there. At least. So, kudzu will just keep coming until you get the root out. Now, those hogs, they'll root around, and they'll pull a root right out of the ground. That's the only thing that'll get them out. And the hogs will kill the snakes too, by the way. <laughs> they, they're good. I like bacon, but they're good for other stuff. You don't want... You don't want to kill them all, you know, because they do good stuff. So God's got a purpose for everything. Let me tell you what Jesus is doing here. He's going after the root. Anybody feel that? He's going after the root. No, I'm going to say this. If we go back to the garden where the root come in, started, if that root hadn't have got started, nobody would be sick today. Nobody would be dying. You understand what he's doing here? It ain't her fault. He didn't blame it on her. He went to the root. So what we do a lot of times, we can't battle fully. Now, this, was, this particular one's healing, physical healing. But there are other things the devil puts roots, tries to get roots started in our lives, right? And you got to go back to him. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. The root of all bad. There's only two forces at work here. We seem to forgot that. We brought... Mother Earth into the Mother Earth ain't got a thing to do with it. God and Satan are in a battle, and this is the battleground. God created everything, Satan didn't create a thing. He's an imitator and a duplicator and a liar and a deceiver. And so what he does, when he got interest into that garden, he planted the, a root there, and that root has caused havoc. And so here's what we do when we get in a battle. I, I take inventory. It's good to take inventory. You don't want to be at odds with God somewhere. That's always a good thing, no matter what the battle is. But a lot of times we cannot fully stand our ground because we have bought into the fact that it must be my fault. It must be someone else's fault. It, it's, uh, it's just the way things are. That's the newest big one, right? Well, that's just the way it is. That's not the way it is. God created us in His image and in His likeness. And when you step into Jesus Christ and you've been sozoed and soterion, you have access. That's why the battle ensues. The devil wants us to back away from the access we have in Jesus Christ. And when you get over to John chapter 9, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, because I think it's just hilarious how that goes on. The blind man's healed, and the, the religious people are mad again. And they said... Uh, then his disciples asked and said, who sinned? And he said, nobody sinned. But God's work's going to be glorified in this situation. Now, if you're, if you're sinning, stop it. Will you just stop it? You're just making life miserable and making it hard on yourself. Just quit sinning, you knucklehead. Just quit it. But once you've established the fact, you've got to be careful not to buy in to all you see. What did we learn? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against things we cannot see. 
we, there's a root. This woman was portrayed as a good woman, a daughter of Abraham. Jesus didn't say, hey, how come you've uh, been doing the line of work you've been doing all these years? It's done this, it's done that. He didn't get into any of that. He blamed it on Satan. And I'm here to tell you, unless we see where the root's at, we will not be able to fight properly. You've got to understand where all the bad stuff comes from. It don't come from Jesus. He, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. He disciplines us, but disciplines for our own good. But you've got to understand that there's a devil who slipped into the garden and brought all this bad stuff into our race and into our culture, into our world. He's the God of this world. But He gets all of us to back down a little bit when we just accept what He does. And we're not, we don't supposed to do that. The Bible says we have power over the power of the enemy. We tread on serpents and scorpions. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So I got a hold of that. And I said, oh, my, I'd read that. I knew, I knew this passage. I've read it over and over and over. But what the revelation I got was the root part of it. That the devil's kudzu is growing and growing and growing. Because we don't deal with the root. When you battle Satan, you've got to understand that his whole idea is to destroy us. So when I saw this, and it just, you know the difference between Ramah and Logos, right? Ramah and Logos are two words that we use in the Greek to speak about God's Word. This is the written Word, Logos, and Rhema is the revelated Word. Now, I know all of us have had experiences like this. When something hits you, I have, I've had people say to me, man, you were preaching right to me. I said, it wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit because it revelated inside of you, Right? When I was reading this, it's about midnight, somewhere around midnight, maybe one o'clock. I would have been miserable. I, it got in me. You know what I'm saying? It is, I thought, man, finally, I'm seeing what you're saying here. Yeah, I knew you blamed this on the devil, but why did you blame it on the devil? You know, because we could probably find some natural things that we could have blamed it on, right? Are you with me? That's us, right? The first thing we do is lean on the natural. But the, the natural man receiveth not the things of God. It's the spirit man that receives them, right? Now, a lot of this is going to do with our faith. Is it possible that some people get more out of God than others because they believe more? The answer to that is yes. Right? If you trust in Him, you believe in Him, you want what He's got, you after Him, right? And so I, I changed, I stopped complaining. I got broken. I started weeping because this revelation was just flooding my spirit. And so I, I got up, and, with, and then I got up and walked normal. Usually I have to walk like uh, four or five days before I can really bend my knee. I got up after this revelation came, and I surrendered to it and bent my knee. I couldn't even bend my knee. I'm talking about last Sunday night, in the middle of the night, because this revelation had so gripped me, and it was a rhema moment for me that God was saying, hey... I'm the solution to all your problems. 
Now, God has given me about four dreams. Has to do, some of it had to do with that gout. I've been waiting on that. But when I get over gout, it usually takes seven to ten days to get over it. Well, I was free that night. But I didn't get free because I drunk three gallons of cherry juice. And I didn't get free because of whatever. I mean, His Word set me free. The Bible says He sent His Word and healed them. I want you to understand, whatever battles you're facing, they have a root. If they're bad, if they're negative, if they're trying to steal or to kill or to destroy or to uh, come, uh, be a, an adversary in your circumstances, they have a root. And that root starts with Satan. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Now God trains us through all this, but if you're trying to stand your ground with a certain situation, you need to understand where the root's at. The root in Satan. You know, a lot of people feel guilty because they're in a situation because they think, well, I've done this to myself. And, and, and maybe sometimes that happens. I could say that about my own life. Well, sometimes we do things ourselves. Sometimes we open the door to Satan. But that's not always the case. In fact, there's many instances in the Bible where it's not the case, where it's just Satan attacking. And he puts that root in there. And I thought, my goodness, why should I have what I have? I started thinking about that because I'm a pretty healthy eater and I exercise quite a bit every week and I keep the Word of God coming in me. See, here's what I want to say to you, and I want you to think about this before I close. Understand you're in a war. You're getting attacked because let me tell you what was going on from 10 o'clock till this revelation came. I was trying to study, and I couldn't even concentrate. Now, who do you think that is? See what I'm saying? Your little thing that you may be blaming on whatever might be the enemy because it distracts, it discourages, it hinders, right? A lot of times when I'm praying for people, if it's a mother, I, I pray over them if they're facing a battle. What I say, Lord... Release them to be able to do what you've given them to do to care for their family or whatever it is. There, because there's a bat, the devil wants to limit us and discourage us and hinder us. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Let me take you... Woo, let's go to Revelation 12 real quick and then another place in Revelation. There's a battle going on. You cannot be... Being a Christian is not for sissies. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be a sissy. I know I'm not politically correct. Who cares? Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Let me show you a couple things here. God does warfare. He battles. He don't uh, tiptoe around things. Jesus said, I watched uh, Satan fall like lightning. I mean, you're getting tossed out when that happens. What if God said, ah, we're not going to fight. Just let him do what he wants to do. God, if heaven would have been turned upside down. So God fought early on. 
And then in verse 7 in chapter 12 of Revelation, says, And war broke out where? In heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, which is Satan, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was place found for them in heaven any longer. So they're in the heavenly, the spiritual realms right now. They're getting ready to get cast down. That's bad news for the world after the church is gone. So the great dragon was cast out, and the serpent of the old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, let's go to Revelation 19. Look at verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. This don't sound like a negotiator to me. There ain't no negotiating when it comes to truth. In Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Woo! And righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. He wasn't happy. And his head were many crowns. He had his name written on with no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. We know what he is, Jesus. And the armies in heaven clothed with fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. If you don't want to be in a war, don't go to heaven. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, with, and with it he should strike the nations. He's going to strike the nations. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he shall strike the nations. He himself shall rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fiercest of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now that's all New Testament. I'm going to close here in Psalm 18, verse 1. Psalm 18, verse 1. This is Old Testament. But listen how David understands him. David was a man of war himself. He says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Now here's the key. you got to fight in his strength. Do you know I wouldn't get in anywhere complaining and fussing and crying and feeling sorry for myself? I even told God, I said, Lord, i got to preach in the morning. I can't walk. It didn't faze him. You know why? Because all he had to do was send a donkey in here and preach. That he don't have to have me. I wouldn't doubt if he hadn't whispered that to Jesus saying, well, we'll just get a donkey. Go down there. Probably do better than him anyway. <laughs> and he says, uh, uh, I was fussing crying, but when I got a hold of this, he says, my good... I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter here. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Our strength, my shield, the horn, my salvation. you got to go in His strength. Remember what David said? You come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Woo-wee. When I quit feeling sorry for myself and started standing on that word and started letting the Holy Spirit run me all through the Scriptures and remind me of what sozo means in the New Testament, I started standing my ground. I said, we're going to get that old hog and get that root out. Because that root kept coming back and coming back and coming back. He said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. 
so shall I be saved from my enemies. Can somebody say amen? The pangs of death surrounded me. The floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and he cried out and cried out to my God. That's what I was doing after I got through feeling sorry for myself. He heard my voice in his temple. He cried, a cry came before him, even to his ears. He finally heard me because I quit standing on my circumstances. I quit crying and whining and complaining. I started standing on God's word. And then he says, he says, the earth shook and trembled and foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. The Lord was angry on behalf of his servants. He was angry, the Bible says. Some people don't want to read that verse. Smoke went up from his nostrils. Now you mad when smoke's coming out of your nostrils. And devouring fire from his mouth, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down in darkness under his feet. He rolled upon a cherub and flew. Our, 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 uh, our youth camp this week was about being in a battle and tribulation and all that. And he says, He made darkness his secret place. The canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven. I like that. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered His voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out His arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance and vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered. At Your rebuke, O Lord, the blast of Your nostrils. He sent from above. He took me and drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They, they confronted me in the day of the calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because He delighted me. The Lord rewarded me. What a word. I tell you, if God's fighting for you, you're going to win. The Bible said He cares about you. The Bible calls Him a God of war. The Bible says He will fight on our behalf. The Bible says He don't ever lose a war. He don't ever lose a battle. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is on our side. If you stand on His word, He will fulfill His word because there's no other way to win the battle. Our God, let's stand to our feet. Our God is faithful. He's strong. He's sure. He's steadfast. And He sticks with His word. I tell this to all the young people going in ministry. I say, forget your ideals. Go fast and pray and start talking to God. Get your information for God. Because God has no obligation to support your dreams and visions. But He has obligated Himself to fulfill His Word. So you build a ministry on this Word. You live it. You talk it. You preach it. You sing it. You do everything with it. God has obligated Himself to stand on His Word. He's not obligated to my emotions. He's not obligated to my dreams. He's not obligated to my vision. And He certainly don't need my ideals. What God is looking for is somebody will say, I see that in your Word and I'm hanging my body on it because I believe in you. Amen. I'm through now. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord, we thank You for this moment. There's so many needs that our world faces and sometimes those needs are right here in this congregation. And God, we know that greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. Help us to stand our ground, Lord. Help us to be like that old hog and root the root out. Recognize where all the darkness comes from. 
the deception, the lies. The enemy wants to kill, to steal, and destroy. God, we know that you have sent your word to heal us, to save us, to deliver us, to free us. All those things we need. You're looking for a group of people, Lord, to stand and fight. You found us, Lord. We're going to stand and fight. We're going to stand in the Word of God. We're not going to stand with our ideas. We're not going to stand with the latest book that come off the shelf. We're going to stand on Your Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Your Word will stand forever. You want to stand your ground this morning? This altar's open. Come. If you want to stand your ground.